Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Sacred Cows, every week we start with a joke. And so this week, this joke came from Larry Young, our sound guy. He told it to me in the lobby last week and I said, I'm going to use that. And so uh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, It's a cow joke. If you're not familiar with what we do, because we're in this series called Sacred Cows, we start every week with a cow joke. Where do cows go on their first date? Anybody know? To the movies. Yeah. And we thought, we, I, I, Larry said that, and I laughed, and I thought, hey, that's appropriate because we meet in a movie theater. And so, uh, hey, side note, plug, not, not little stories with big ideas, but what we've got coming up for Christmas, we're doing Christmas at the movies. And so we're planning our entire Christmas thing around movies and, and messages in, in, in movies and how we can really see the gospel of Jesus Christ right there in these themes in popular movies. And we thought for a long time, man, we meet at a movie theater. We've got to do something like that. So we're taking that step. We're doing it for Christmas. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we've been working on the, what the kids are going to do. It's going to be awesome. Let me tell you, you don't want to miss a Sunday, but particularly you don't want to miss the kids' Sunday. It's not only going to be hilarious, it's going to be really, really powerful. All right, so the sacred cow that we're talking about today. You may not be aware this is a sacred cow. You may not think of it as a sacred cow, but I'm pretty sure by the time I finished, you'll understand what I'm saying. Our sacred cow in the church today is the church. The sacred cow that we're wrapping the whole series up is the church. Now you may be saying, Pastor Josh, I don't understand. How is the church a sacred cow in the church? That sounds redundant. What are you talking about? Well, I think it lies in our understanding of what the church is and why the church exists. You see, some people view the church as a place to go to receive teaching or instruction or preaching so that I can grow closer to Jesus. That's a good thing. That's a positive thing. That's not bad. But that's not why the church exists. Some people think that the church exists to supply my spiritual needs. Give, supply to me the needs that I have spiritually. Again, church should, should be, you should be receiving, you know, instruction and, and quote unquote feeding. But that's not why the church exists. Other people will say, you know, uh, we exist to gather together to worship God. We exist um, to console the suffering, to, to help those who are brokenhearted. Again, all of those things are good. And let me tell you, they should be happening in the church, but they are not the primary reason that the church exists. The, the primary, every gospel account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all end with the same Uh, idea, what we call the Great Commission. They all have some version of those words. Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 says something like this. He says, go make disciples. Go. He says, go, go, get out, go, go, and make disciples. Other versions will say, will say proclaim uh, repentance and forgiveness of sins or, or preach the good news. Every gospel account ends with some version of what we call the Great Commission. Every church exists, or at least should exist, for one purpose, one primary central purpose, and that's to make Jesus known. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. That is the foundation of everything that we do, to make Jesus known. Here's how we say it uh, here at Vertical Church. Uh, Vertical Church exists to point those who are far from God, who's far from God, me, 
you, everybody that we encounter in some form or fashion is an individual who is far from God because none of us have arrived at a state of perfection. So vertical church exists to point those who are far from God from, to life in Jesus. Why? Because we believe that's where life is found. Now, this is not unique to us. Every church exists for, for some variation, variation or the other for this very statement. At least they should. Like, that's our purpose. That's why God instituted the church, is to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to the world. Now, what does make our church unique is what we understand to be a part of this. What, how, how do you do this? How do you, how do you join a community whose goal is that? That's what makes our church a little bit unique. What does it mean to be involved in pointing those who are far from God to life in Jesus. Here's what it doesn't mean, okay? I love that you're here. I'm excited that you're here, but involvement is not attendance. That's not involvement. Involvement is not showing up to receive. That's not involvement. Again, excited to see you here. I'm excited to see you here every week, but I need you to understand showing up is not pointing those who are far from God to life in Jesus, that's not the primary way of being involved. Involvement for us means participating. It means actively participating in pointing those who are far from God to life in Jesus. We're not, we're not interested in a crowd attending as much as we are interested in a crowd participating in that. That's our goal, participation, not so much attendance. Now, when I was growing up in a church in southern West Virginia, uh, I need you to know something. I was born on a Sunday morning. Like, literally, my mama was ironing clothes to go to Sunday school. She went into labor. She didn't get to make Sunday school that morning, so she didn't get her little star on the chart. But um, those of you who attended Sunday school know exactly what I'm talking about. The church I grew up in, Crawley Creek Church of God, uh, we had members. Anybody grow up in a church that had members? Like if you grew up in church, did your church have like a member role or something? Yeah, most, most churches, that's how they understand um, the community. Like if you want to take a step into the family of the church, you become a member. It's, we have members. Vertical Church has members. You can look on the back of your communication card and see a little box that says membership. More information for membership at Vertical Church. When we started Vertical Church, that's all we really knew. That's, that's the church we grew up in, and so that's what we did. We said, well, churches have members, and, and that's just kind of what we do. But over the last year or so, that language, that idea of members has begun to feel really foreign to how we understand church, especially as God is shaping us and, and molding us and, and, and taking us on a journey, that's kind of been like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if that describes it. Let me give you an example, because here's what we've kind of come to discover. Members are members of clubs, right? And if you're a member of a club, you have rights as a member of that club. Let me give you an example to kind of flesh all of this out. Let's say that you're a member of a gym, Okay, maybe it's One Life Fitness right next door. Maybe you're, I think that's One Life Fitness. I could be wrong on that. Is it that way? Okay, yeah. I'm turned around that direction. Uh, One Life Fitness. And you go to One Life Fitness as a member. You're paying your membership fee and all that. You show up one day and you get on the treadmill because it's raining outside and you don't want to run outside and, and you just want to run on the treadmill. Well, you get on and you crank it up to seven and a half because you're going to go for it, right? 
and the treadmill isn't working. Treadmill breaks. What do you do as a member of One Life Fitness? You go to the counter. Hey, uh, excuse me, somebody, treadmill number three is broken. Uh, I'm, I'm a member. I have a right to a working treadmill. So treadmill number three is broken. You need to get somebody to fix that, right? Okay, let's say you're a member of a golf club, okay? You're, you, pay your, your, you pay your member dues and stuff. You go, you, you show up. You're excited to play a round of golf. You tee off. You're doing your thing. You're on hole number three. You get to the green, and the green looks terrible. Like it's not cut. There, there's patches of dirt all over the place. And you're thinking, dude, I'm a member of this club. This green is not to my specification. So what do you do? You go to the clubhouse. Hey, I need to talk to the pro or, or, or somebody, a manager, because number three green needs to be cut, right? Because you're a member. Because here's the thing. Members have rights. And as we just kind of, you know, following the, the path of, of God laid out, is laid out for us and just listening to the voice of Jesus, we've said that's not really how we understand our family in church. Like, that's not our understanding of what it means to be involved, to be a part. That's, that's not we want, what we want to cultivate, that kind of selfish, me-centered, me-and-my-rights idea, especially as we've uh, done our I Love My Church thing, uh, and we've really kind of dove into that. We've been asking the question, you know, what is the church, and, and what does it mean to be part of a church, and what is that experience like, and how do you relate, and how, what's the individual role in the bigger community look like? And here's where we've landed. This is a change of thinking and a change of language for us, and, and you probably will recognize some of the, uh, sound, the sound of this because we've been talking it for a long time, but now we're actually changing the way we talk. Members have rights but owners have responsibilities. That's the change for us. We're, we're changing from having members to having owners because members have rights, but owners have responsibility. Members see the organization and say, it's my rights, it's me, it's my desire, me-centric. Owners say, it's about the bigger vision of what I'm participating in. It's about this, in the church particularly, it's about this God-given picture of what could be could be. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to pursue that image. It's about something bigger than me. Go back to the examples. Let's say you're a member of a gym, right? Treadmill breaks down. Hey, somebody needs to fix this. If you're the owner of the gym, what do you do? You tell some, hey, somebody needs to, no, no, no. You figure out how to get the treadmill fixed. Why? Because you have a vision for your gym, and you have a vision for what you want your gym to accomplish. So I'll do whatever it takes to make my gym better. And if that means I got to figure out how to get the treadmill fixed, that's what I'll do. Because owners have responsibilities. Members have rights. Let's say we're at the golf club. Let's say you're the owner of the golf course and you're playing a round of golf and you get to hole number three, you get to the green on number three and the green looks like it's in bad shape. What do you do? You're the owner. Well, if you're a good owner and you have this vision for what you want your golf course to look like and the shape that you want your greens to be, you go get the lawnmower or however you cut the green, you get the fertilizer, you figure out what you got to do to get number three green to look like number three green ought to look because you're the owner of the golf course. You have a vision for what that golf course should look like. Let me just throw one more analogy to really drive this point home, I think. Members, 
I'm not like nailing churches that have members. If that's the church you grew up in, I'm not talking. I'm just saying it's not us. It feels foreign to us. Members oftentimes perceive their church like a hotel. You, you show up, hey, uh, give me a good clean room, a soft bed, make sure you give me my wake-up call and a continental breakfast in the morning, and we'll be good. You don't, show, you, don't, you, know, you don't fulfill all of my needs and desires, dude, I'll just go to another hotel. I'll just go somewhere else. And, and I'll go to the bed that's softer, or I'll go to where they have the better continental breakfast because my church is just a hotel. But see, if you're an owner, then church is your home. That's the difference. Some people see church like a hotel. I'm just here temporarily spending the night. Give me a soft bed. Give me, meet my needs and satisfy my desires and I'll, I'll pay my, my, my rent fee. But if, if church is your home, then it totally changes everything because, because this is my house. <laughs> it's not perfect, but it's home. It's, it has issues, but it, the bed might be hard. The neighbors might be weird. The disposal might get clogged, but this is my home. And my focus is what do I need to do to make my home better? I have never once stayed in a hotel and knocked on the, the front desk person, uh, hey, I noticed in my room that some of the paint was kind of scuffed up. So I just ran out to Lowe's and got some touch-up paint and cleaned that up. Never once done that in a hotel, right? <laughs> but we own, we own a, a thing of white paint so that if there's a scuff on, on one of the trim, we can grab the paintbrush and fix it up. Why? Because this is our home. This isn't a hotel that we're staying at. This is our home home. And so when it comes to the church, we've kind of landed on that's what it means to be involved. That church is home. I'm an owner of the vision and ministry that takes place here. I'm not focused on my rights. I'm not focused on what I'm receiving. I'm focused on my responsibility to fulfill the vision that God has given my family, meaning all of us that call this home, our church family. That's what we want for each and every person that calls this place home. To own the, the, the home, to own the vision, to make it, I love my church. See, you can tell, you can distinguish the people who are treating it like a hotel because, because they always say, how's your church doing? Hey, how, how's, you know, how's it going at your church? What are you talking about? It's our church. It's not my church. It's my church, but it's not my church. It's your church too. Because it's always your, it's, it's, a, it's a hotel. So if members have rights and owners have responsibilities, what are the responsibilities of an owner at Vertical Church? I'm so glad you asked that question because that's what we're talking about today. You'll notice on the back of your program, there's a whole, like today looks completely different than last week. Last week, you had all the free space in the world. Today, you got fill in the blank notes. <laughs> You're nowhere can you write your own note. It's all fill in the blank. Um, some people are really excited about that. Other people are, that annoys them. Anyway, we have six core values. We call it the core, core truths, core realities, core whatever you want to call them. We don't really care. Um, we don't think these are the only values in Scripture. We don't think these are the only truths in Scripture. What we're saying is these are the values of our home. This is what we value at Vertical Church. This is, what, this is, this is how we want to live out owning the vision of God. And so each, re each value represents a responsibility of someone who considers themselves an owner. Now, there's a lot of scripture represented in these, 
in these thoughts. We don't have time to go through them all, and there wasn't space to print them all. Listed the references. Please take that home with you. Matter of fact, I'm really thinking about, I have a blog that I haven't updated in a year. But I did think about this week just doing a, a daily Bible study, one on each of these values, and let it, like, publishing it out there and say, hey, work through this. Let's work through this together. So if you're on Facebook, that's the only where I'm going to, like, link it. So if you're, not, if you're like, anti-Facebook, then you just miss out. Um, it's cool. Call us or something. We'll forward you the link. Uh, anyway, number one. Here we go. Number, value number one. We never outgrow Jesus. A lot of this is going to sound real familiar for those of you who have been around for a while. We never outgrow Jesus. What that means is Jesus is at the center of our lives. Individually and corporately, everything that we do must revolve around Jesus because we never outgrow Jesus. That's why every week, like you come here, it's Jesus, Jesus, and more Jesus. Like we never get tired of talking about Jesus. We're, we're, next week, we're starting an entire series all devoted to what Jesus said. Like here are these little stories that Jesus told. We're going to spend five weeks on them. Take one a week and just take it apart and look at what did, what did Jesus say? It also means we never grow beyond our basic need for Jesus Christ. We never get to the place where we no longer need his grace. We never get to the place where salvation no longer moves us. We never get to the place, we never get beyond the place where all that is required of us is simple obedience to his word. That's it. James chapter 1, verse 22, it's one of the scriptures listed there. James says it this way, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. He says, do what it says. Listen, that, that, that verse is really describing our entire MO here at Vertical Church, the way we operate. Here, here's how we operate. Listen to God and do what he says. How do you make decisions? We listen to God and then we do what he says. How do you process? We listen to God and if he tells us to do something, we do it. It really is that simple. That's our whole goal in life. Listen to God. God, what are you saying right now in this area of my life? What are you Okay, all right. Well, I just want to be, I want to practice simple obedience. A lot of times we have this idea that if we argue with God, we're more mature. I actually think that we're less mature if we argue with God, even though God is okay with us arguing with him. I think the sign of maturity is, oh God, you said it. Okay, I'll do it. I'm just going to obey you at first word because I trust you that much. It's not naive, it's trust. So as an owner of Vertical Church, what does that look like? It looks like I have a responsibility to take the next step that God is leading me to take. You've probably picked up that we talk a lot about what's your next step? What's the next thing God is telling you to do? Because some steps are universal, like salvation. That's a universal step that, that we hope everybody takes. Baptism, that's another universal step. If you give your life to Jesus and you haven't been baptized, we believe you need to be baptized. That's a step that you can take. Some steps are, are dependent upon the circumstance and situation that you're in right now. Maybe God is telling you, hey, you need to get on a regular Bible reading plan and you need to make, make Bible reading just a regular part of your day. That's a step. That's a step that God would be leading you to take. Maybe he's telling you, you need to go talk to somebody and receive prayer during the, during the worship set. That's a step. I'm just gonna be obedient to the step that he's leading me to take. Maybe it's a, a step that we're gonna talk about here in a few minutes on one of our our values. The point is, is as Jesus followers, our whole goal is to constantly continue growing 
in Christ, to never stop growing because you know that only dead things don't grow, right? Only dead things stop growing and we don't want to be dead. So, so our goal is to just continually growing. So I want to ask you, how are you growing? What step are you taking? What is the Lord telling you your next step looks like? What are you doing to, to, to change? How are you undergoing transformation? What step is he challenging you toward that change? What is he saying to you? And are you doing what he said? That's what this means. I, as an owner of the, the, the ministry at Vertical Church, my responsibility is to continually take the next step that he's laying out for me. Number two, you heard this one a dozen hundred times. You can't do life alone. That's a big one for us. Raise your hand if you've ever heard us say something to that effect. Yeah, we are big on relationships. Why? Because here's why we're big on relationships. Because we believe that, that from personal experience, typically the first step away from God is typically a step away from the people of God. I've seen it. I'm only 34 years old, but I've been in church 34 years, but I've been in ministry now for about 14 years. And I can tell you, you take a step away from the people of God, your next step is away from God. I, that's just personal experience, but I've seen it too many times to know that it's not, that, that it's true. But here's the thing, you can't force Christian community. Like, I can stand up here all day long and tell you, you can't do life alone. You got to connect. You got to get in a relationship. And, and there's just something about it. You can't force relationships because it, it's not good. So what we do is we provide environments for people, environments for people to connect and plug in on their level at their speed, Sunday experience, serving teams, small groups, monthly connect events where you can form relationships with people that will help you point, be pointed to Jesus and that you can participate in pointing people to Jesus. Another one of those passages comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. It's one listed on the back of the program. Verse 44 says it this way. Luke writes this. He says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. But Christianity is not a life for Lone Rangers, even though Lone Ranger had Tonto. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even he had a buddy. Even he had a relationship. But but, but Christianity is not a place for lone rangers. We don't go at this thing by ourselves. Look, the early church did not have a copy of the New Testament. You know what they had? They had each other. And, 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 and Luke says they were all together. And when they were all together, he, he ends that passage by saying that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So as an owner of Vertical Church, I have a responsibility to be in community with other believers. That might look like joining a, a small group. That might look, look like going to a connect event. That might look like uh, serving on a, on, a, on, a, on a service team because community happens on those teams. That might look like saying, hey, do you want to go to Red Robin with me after church today? And you get to know the people that you're sitting beside. That's community and that's a step. So the step is I got to take a step into community. So maybe your next step today is a step into community into relationships so that, so that you and they can both be pointed to Jesus. Number three, another big one for us, you hear us say it all the time. Saved people serve people. Everybody say that with me. Save people, serve people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save people, serve people. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus told us time and time and time again, all throughout his life and ministry, I did not come to be served 
but I came to serve. That tells us that if you want to look like Jesus, you got to be a servant. You got to serve. And if you're not serving, you're not growing because you're not growing because you don't look more like Jesus because Jesus was a servant. And so you're like, dude, I'm not serving. Well, then you don't look like Jesus because his whole, his whole picture of why he came was to serve. A couple weeks, or not a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago now, uh, we, did a, we did a series through the book of Ephesians, me, myself, and I. We did a whole Sunday on this idea. We called it Wiki Church. Wiki Church, that churches that point people to Jesus aren't built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrificial service of many. What does that mean? It means save people, serve people. That means that some churches are structured and organized so that the pastor does all the ministering to people so that everyone's dependent upon him or her. But church is most effective when the body ministers to the body. When we minister to each other, the church is effective. And I can tell you this, when saved people serve people, served people will become saved people. You want to see an explosion of salvation take place? Let saved people serve people. Because served people will become saved people. So as an owner of Vertical Church, if, if this is my home, not a hotel, but my home, then I have a responsibility to serve within the church. So how do I take that step? On the back of your communication card, there's a little box that says serving. I want more information about serving. Check that. We follow up with you. There's a couple reasons, I think, that people don't take this step. And number one is because they don't think they're, they're gifted or talented or have time. They, there's a reason that they don't think they can. Maybe they think they're not gifted enough. I want to let you know, we believe everybody is gifted to serve, and we want to help you find your place to find a spot where your talents and gifts and interests intersect with God's opportunity so that you can make the maximum impact in the world. We believe that we can help you find that spot. Some people think they don't have time to serve because their schedule is too hectic. We get scheduling issues. That's why we plan out a month or two in advance and put you on a calendar and a schedule. Hey, let us know. Are you available here, here? No, you're not. Okay, let's, let's find when you are available. We work with that. We understand that time, busy, and all that stuff happens. Some people think they can't serve because they're not young enough. Because they look around over the last year, and we've had an influx of, of younger people, and they're serving and taking, and they're like, well, I don't fit the mold for a servant at Vertical Church because I'm not young enough. Listen to me. There is no age requirement. Miss Betty Clower shows up every Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning to put together programs and tithing envelopes and pens so you can get them when you walk out. And she's one of the oldest people here. And she serves every Sunday. Charles Johnson sitting uh, right there meets with me and a team in a room over here and prays for me every week. And then he tells me he sits there and he prays during service. And he's, he's not young. He's not chipper. Although he is a very pleasant man. <laughs> and I love him. If you don't know Charles, you need to know Charles because he's an awesome guy. And he serves every time he's here because he's praying for us, for me, for whoever's speaking, for the worship team, for our church. He's serving. Some of you say, well, I'm not old enough. I'm going to pick on him right now because I can see him right there. C.J. Cundis. So I, he's 13, right? 13 serves twice a month in kids. Why? Because save people serve people. That's why. There's no age requirement. He's 13. How can he serve? He does at like twice a month. And that's awesome. Why? Because save people serve people. Because when save people serve people, serve people become saved people. 
And that's what we want to do. Number two, the other reason I think people don't, don't take the step of serving is they don't, they don't realize that they're actually called to, that it really is just a matter of obedience. That Jesus has called each and every one of us to serve in some form or fashion, and to not do it is really just to be disobedient. So where can you serve right now? You can, you can continue treating the church like a hotel and just blow in and blow out and never give anything back, or church can become home. And, and, and see, some people right now, they're thinking, well, Pastor Josh, you don't have to serve in the church to serve. You're right, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to serve in the church to be a servant like Jesus, but don't be surprised that the more you treat the church like a hotel, it'll never feel like home. Don't be shocked. When you show up and you're like, I don't really feel connected here. Why? Because it's not home. I don't feel connected in a hotel either. <laughs> but I do when I'm in my home. And I'm in my home. Just, just one last thing, man. Being connected to something bigger than yourself is so awesome. It's so cool. Number four. Number four. We're breezing right through. God is writing a story. That's our fourth value. God is writing a story. See, we understand the Bible as one giant storybook of God. Like the Bible is the story of God. It's not the story of me or the story of humanity. Some people think the story of the Bible is the story of man or woman. No, no, no. It's the story of God. It's not my story. It's his story. I didn't write it. He wrote it. And so it's God's storybook. And, and, and scripture is, a, is the key part of that story. But here's what maybe makes us a little different than some people. We think God's still writing. But we don't think, we, we, think that, we think that scripture is closed, like we're not writing new gospels, but we are encountering the presence of Jesus. And so our life is becoming a living gospel. This is my encounter with Jesus. He's still writing a story. He's still changing lives. There's still good news to spread. I like the way 1 John puts it. The writer, the writer John in 1 John chapter 1, he put it this way. He says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. What does that mean? He says, he, he says, look, this is my story of Jesus. Here's what I've experienced. Here's what I've heard. Here's what I've seen. And I just want to tell you about it. Why? Because God is writing an awesome story and John wants to tell it. So as an owner at Vertical Church, one of our responsibilities is to share my story. Share my story. Who do I share it with, Pastor Josh? Whoever, anybody will listen. <laughs> but what we really want you to do is share it with us. Back in the communication card, testimony section. Here's what God's doing in my life. Hey, send us an email. God's doing something. And then here's the, the, the crate. Sometimes this will happen. It's already happening. We want to hear it, but then we want to let everybody else hear it too. So we might call you up and say, hey, that's a really awesome story, what God's doing in your life. Can we sit down and put it on video to show it to the whole church? Because changed lives should be celebrated. Because God is writing a story, and we want to tell that story to anybody that'll listen, anybody that'll watch. Because changed lives should be celebrated. So number five, all right, here we go. Number five, number five. God gave first. God gave first. We talked about this two weeks ago uh, when we talked about, talked about money. We said this is our first thing that we have to keep in mind financially as a church. God gave first. First, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I do want to remind you the number one thing we said we had to begin with was God gave first, and Jesus is the most generous giver in all of history. And since God gave first, anything we do 
And anything we give is in response to what he's already given. We don't give in order to receive. We don't give in order to get a blessing. We don't give in order to receive the favor of God or the grace of God because all of those things have already encountered us. We give because we have received. We give because we have been blessed. We give because we are favored by God. We give as a response. But I will say this, there is a particular blessing that is only experienced when you practice generosity. And it's not something that, it's not like God maliciously hold. It's just part of that, that process that, that when we trust God financially and we honor him financially, there's just something that happens as we take that step closer to Jesus. And so here at Vertical Church, we don't preach like a prosperity gospel, but we also don't preach a poverty gospel, even though when we read the gospel, we do see that Jesus does have a particular affection for poor people. And we, we look at that, and that's why we, you know, that's why we do some of the things that we do, because we notice that God is drawn to the plight of those who are in poverty. What we preach here is a provision gospel. God gave first we respond to him in like generosity and God continues to provide. That's what we preach. Not, we don't give to get and we don't give because we've been made, made to feel guilty. We give because he gave first. So whether it looks like practicing, like we said, regular, cheerful, sacrificial giving, if you missed that, check it out online so we know what we're talking about. But, but whether it looks like that, I have a responsibility as an owner. This is my home, not a hotel to honor God with my finances. And sometimes that looks like this. That looks like, hey, we need to sit down and make a family budget. Because right now, our money's telling us where to go and we need to tell it where to go. So honey, let's sit down and make a budget. That might be your next step. That might be your next step in honoring God with your finances. It's just saying we need to figure out what's going on in our family so that we can be good managers of what he's giving us. Because God gave first. We recognize that everything we have is a gift of God. So we want to be good managers of it. So he gave first. So God, maybe I need to get on a budget. Maybe I need to practice regular, sacrificial, cheerful giving. Again, the whole goal here is what's your next step? Not what's the step, 10 steps down the road. What's the one right in front of you? Because it all centers around what? Listen to God and do what he says. We listen to God, do what he says. In the area of financial generosity, what is he saying? And are you doing what he said to you? Not to me, not to Pastor Brian, not to Pastor Hope, but to you. What is he saying to you? Are you being obedient? Look, for the first 300 years of the church, nobody could understand their theology. The church wasn't known for their theology. They were known for their generosity. You, you read church history. Nobody could understand their theology. Their theology was crazy. <laughs> They're talking about eating flesh and blood, okay? Nobody understood their theology. What changed the world was their generosity. Because, because for the first time and really only time in human history, in this community, no one had any needs because they were all provided for. Generosity will change the world. Number six, last one. Everyone is a missionary. Everyone is a missionary. This value, this, this runs deep in the DNA of what it means to be a Christian. I want to show you this in, in John chapter 1, uh, verses 40 through 46. 
It says this, it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So we've got Andrew. And look what it says in verse 41. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew meets Jesus, and the first thing he does is to go grab Simon. And he brought him to Jesus. Look, look down at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, Jesus finds Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael. Jesus did not find Nathanael. Philip found Nathanael. Jesus found Philip and Philip found Nathanael. And look what look at Nathanael's uh, word. He told Nathanael, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? You think, you think Nathanael was a skeptic? Unchurched? Unbeliever? Atheist? Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel and brought him to Jesus. Look what he says. He says, well, hey, come and see. Just, just come and see. I'm not asking you to suspend all of your, your, your uncertainties and doubt about somebody coming from Nazareth. I just want you to come and see. In these two stories, each guy brought their friend or brother or, 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 or companion to a place where they could meet Jesus. Asking, asking people to come to a place where they can meet Jesus is evangelism. It is being a missionary. It's not totality of being a missionary. It's not everything that evangel. It's not the only way to do evangelism, but it is evangelism. It is being a missionary. It's why we put a lot of effort in creating a welcoming and warm environment for people to come in so that you can bring your friends and family who maybe grew up in church or maybe didn't give a flip about church. You can bring them and we won't embarrass them or you. And you don't have to be apologetic about something that happens here. That's why we put so much emphasis on that because here's the reality. We are God's plan for growing his church. You say that with me, say we are God's plan for growing his church. Let's make it more personally, say I am God's plan for growing his church. Look, our church growth strategy here is not built on like slick marketing and catchy ads, even though we will use those things. Our growth strategy is you <laughs> investing in people, investing in relationships and inviting them to come with you to meet a guy named Jesus. Hey, hey, come and see. Just, just come and see. Just come and see. As an owner at Vertical Church who's treating the church like home, I have a responsibility to invest in people and invite them to church. I have an owner. I'm an owner. Because of that, I have a responsibility to invest in people 
and invite them to church. Maybe that looks like saying, hey, would you check our church out, verticalchurch.tv? Can I get a feel for the kind of church we are? Maybe it looks like every Sunday we have invite cards available. We have invite cards for the series that kicks off next Sunday. You can pick them up on your way out. Take them with you. Why? Because we're owners. We have a responsibility to invest and invite people to church. So who in your family, who in your network of friends, who at your workplace or school or neighborhood can you invite to come with you next Sunday? Maybe that's your next step because we all have next steps because we all are growing closer to Jesus. So here's what it means to be an owner at Vertical Church, to experience our church not as a hotel, but as a home. It means to commit to continually taking your next step because we never outgrow Jesus. It means to live in community because you can't do life alone. It means to serve in the church because saved people serve people. It looks like sharing your story because God's writing one that's awesome. It looks like honoring God financially because he gave first. And it looks like investing and inviting others to find their way home too because we're all missionaries. Let me pray for you this morning. Jesus, we recognize that ultimately this this world, while we love it and while we are so thankful that we get to spend time here, that ultimately you are creating something brand new and it's exploding right in front of our eyes. We want to be a part of it. This, this resurrection life that has just been bursting forth since Jesus burst out of the grave. We want to be connected to it. Today, God, I'm, I'm just asking you, would you help us move from, from a member mentality where it's about our rights and our privileges and our, uh, our desires to an owner mentality? where it's about our responsibilities and and us asking the question, how can I make it better? What's the step I need to take to make it better? Today, as we all have our heads bowed, everybody in the room has a next step. What is yours? Maybe your next step is inviting Jesus Christ to forgive you, to bring you into his family to save you, to, to, to give you the forgiveness of everything that you've done, to wipe the slate clean and make today a brand new beginning. Maybe that's your step. Friend, all you have to do is turn to him. Jesus, forgive me. I confess. I've been wrong. Forgive me. I believe, Jesus, not only that you died in my place, but you rose from the grave and that you can forgive me. You have the power to make today day one of a whole new life. Friend, if that's your step, just pray that prayer. Invite Jesus to transform and change your life and then begin a journey continually taking step after step after step. Maybe your next step is one of the things that we mentioned today. And right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and drawing you to a place of simple obedience. What does it look like to obey God without question? Simply 
and immediately. God, I want to be obedient. What's my step? Would you just ask him that? Because I believe he'll reveal it to you today. He'll show you. He's been working on you for a long time already. You've been, you've been pushing him to the side, pushing him to the side. It feels like his voice is getting quieter, but right now it feels like he's screaming in your ears at what your next step is. Listen, friend, your responsibility is just to take the step in front of you. Don't stress about the step that's miles down the road. How am I going to get there? You'll get there if you keep taking the step in front of you. You'll get there by taking the next step that he tells you to take. Would you just in obedience, just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'll take the step. But don't just say it, do it. Like James said, don't just, don't just hear the word, but actually do it. Do what he says. Listen to God, do what he says. Thank you, Jesus, for meeting with us here today. We're excited about what you're doing in our church. We're excited about what you're doing in our family. This is our home. We love you, Jesus, for providing us a great home. In your name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.